Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Nicole Toptosh, along with my co-host, Dominic Rainey. Dom, it's always good to be back in the studio with you. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Nicole. Welcome back. Thank you. You know, uh, sitting in the captain's chair last week, being the host, puts on a whole different persona. Uh-huh. You know, I was uh, after I left the studio, I actually thought the paparazzi were chasing me, and I found <laughs> out it was a cop pulling me over. So uh, it's a different oh, ball man. game. Welcome back. I'm glad you're over there. Thank you so much, Dom. Let's get this show started because we have an all-star lineup this morning. On the show today, we have Jackson Houck, who's the managing partner at a company in Atlanta called Three. Also on our panel today from Spectopath, we have Dr. Ralph Gaskins. And with Team Trivia, we have their president and CEO, Peter Del Bov. Thank you all for joining us this morning. Thank you for having us. Thank you. You're welcome. Jackson, why don't you get us started and uh, tell us about uh, Three and what do you do there? Sure. We're, a, uh, we're about a 40-man marketing communications firm. Our focus is uh, managing the expectations of uh, the audiences that change a business's success or failure. Mm-hmm. Interesting company name, Three. Why that name? Uh, I spent the early part of my career as a, as a client, primarily in commodity goods, mm-hmm. motor oil, potato chips, orange mm-hmm. juice, that kind of thing, and then moved into an environment where I was responsible for managing the the opinions of a number of external audiences and internal audiences. And so as a client, you sit with that tension between the shareholder and the end user and your mm-hmm. employee. And if you give something to one, you have to take it away from the other. So we've sort of built a process around <laughs> three uh, discrete audiences that have to be on the same page. Okay, yeah. interesting. Can you uh, talk to us about uh, how you got your start initially? Uh, sure. I mean, I was, uh, I was in sales uh, as a Employee of General Foods, and Maxwell House Coffee and Bird's Eye Juices and that kind of thing, and stumbled into a marketing career uh, and enjoyed it. Thought those guys were having more fun than we were. Went to Frito-Lay and then uh, eventually was given the opportunity to run a few brands in the Atlanta market and, right. uh, and uh, got to manage the agency relationship and decided we'd try it ourselves. Okay, and speaking of the word brand... What does that mean to you? People talk so much about brand. Sure. I, frankly, I, I hate the term. Uh, oh. I think it's a pretty nebulous <laughs> term, but, but I, I, people do use it a lot, and I uh-huh. think it's, it's important to get you know, folks on the same page. Um, you know, to us, a, a brand is really you know, the expectations of somebody else that's going to influence your success or failure. So uh, you know, that, that brand can really be quantified. It can get everybody talking the same language, mm-hmm. um, and, and our our, our, our understanding of the brand is that it is managing somebody else's expectation. Right. You also had mentioned that, you know, one of the things that you have to do is get everyone on the same page. Um, How do you do that, especially when it's around uh, going to a different vision and having a different direction? Well, we're a a data-centric agency. I think most most agencies tend to like to measure twice and cut once. Mm -hmm. Uh, And our our definition of brand really is – what people expect relative to how your product performs, mm-hmm. how you're going to be treated, what does it cost, and what club do I join when I choose to give you my money. So some measurement around those four criteria allow us to focus our customer on, on using the same language that, that helps move people to the right opinion. Right, right. You've been in the industry for 13 years. 
but you've made no decision to do promotions of your own enterprise. What's up with that? I mean, <laughs> you're in a PR business after all. Yeah, this is an experiment. Uh, I'm <laughs> enjoying this conversation. It's actually the first time in 13 years that, okay. that I've been public with our conversation. Um, first, I think we like the boutique concept. Mm -hmm. uh, we're big believers that uh, that if our expectations are or folks coming to us don't know what they're dealing with and they get to know us a little bit, they're typically pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, in the same way that a financial services firm that likes to have a small group of customers uh, tends to operate, that tends to be the way that, that we operate as well. Um, we are big believers in self and, and promotion for others. Uh, that's We've made a decision 13 years ago that if we were going to try and seek publicity, it was for our customer. So our, our focus has been on growing through relationships and not really through business development. Right. exercises and mm -hmm. uh, frankly it's a little embarrassing to admit for a public relations marketing firm that we don't mm -hmm. do business development but really have chosen to, to focus on customer satisfaction okay well we're very excited that you've made your debut on <laughs> silver lining in the cloud who makes the best clients for three uh we tend to to have a lot of success with folks that that are sophisticated clients that mm -hmm. that take uh for managing public opinion is central to their business uh, there are a lot of folks that that sort of give lip service to corporate communications or, or expectation management, but really don't make the investment in time or energy. And you know, I'll use the sort of my favorite example is someone like Jack Welsh, who felt that his brand was central to, to who GE was going to be and getting their employees and their customers and financial markets on the same page uh, was central to who they were. And Jack was really the head brand manager for for GE for uh, the history of his time at the firm. So I, I think that when we have clients who who take uh, communications as central to their business model, mm -hmm. um, we tend to do a very good job. With okay, that. great. You've been listening to Jackson Houck with three. Hey, Jackson. Uh, good morning. This is Dom. Uh, your company talks about moving an organization from mercenary to missionary. How did you get that orientation? Where did that come about? You know, our, our first client, and we were very fortunate to, to launch the business around a, a company called Merit, which was uh, Southern Company's international Enron competitor, five continents, and $30 billion at their, at their uh, peak. We launched them from, uh, from startup to IPO. Um, and, and it was a very mercenary business. I mean, they, their business was about making as much money as they could. And we were certainly on board and made a reasonable amount ourselves. Um, our second big client was Children's Healthcare here in Atlanta. And it was our way to, to really reach out and give something back to the markets that had made, started to make us successful. Uh, and as we were doing our research with Children's, we were walking through the hospital and uh, doing our you know, employee research and came across a janitor who was pushing a broom and sort of asked him what he did for a living. He said, well, I'm, I'm helping Dr. Jones save lives. And that really struck me as a, as a guy who's trying to understand what the business is all about. And obviously, to be missionary around a children's hospital is a pretty easy thing to do. But mm -hmm. he understood his role in that organization was more than just making sure the floor was clean. And uh, as you start to move into these enterprises where the, the orientation is more about changing the world or, or benefiting someone beyond making a buck for a, selling a unit, you tend to understand that, you know, I, I guess I've heard it best put that people work eight hours a day for a job and 10 for a good boss, but 24 for a cause. And so giving our clients some reason to, to make money uh, around benefiting something beyond making a, selling a unit for a buck tends to be the, the way that we can get everybody on the same page. Jackson, if you're, let's say you're uh, talking to a group of students who are uh, trying to understand the difference in an advertising career and a public relations career and why that's important, how, how would you go about discussing that role of discipline in, in our system, in the American mm -hmm. experience, as they call it? Yeah, you know, we are, uh, we're, 
we love what we do, and primarily because we're solving a different puzzle every day. You know, we've got a variety of clients, some in the healthcare space, some in the, in the consumer durable space, some in the you know, financial services space. Everyone comes in with a different a need, a different problem to solve, a different riddle. And if you're ADHD like I am, and I am extremely ADHD, uh, you get bored after solving the puzzle the first time. So the, the, the luxury of a student coming into our business is that, you know, you rarely get bored. Now, you have to, you have to be able to keep up. And uh, you, you, we are selling intellectual property, so original point of view is very important in our business because you, you, you can't really commoditize that. The good news is you can't commoditize that, so you start, we're hard to offshore. You know, we're, we're hard, we're, we, are, we are part of the, the, what I'll call the, the, the fuel of the, of the economic engine that is the free market. Uh, you know, we, the best description I've ever heard was a, given to me by a, actually a former client um, who handed me a Bain study from about 10 years ago that looked at organizations that outpaced their peers and was across 500 businesses across multiple categories, B2B, B2C. And the, the consistent behavior of those companies that outpaced their peer group were the ability to innovate and communicate. And if you look at, you know, the Apple is probably the perfect example of that. You look at someone who knows how to make new products, bring products to market, understand the consumer experience, but also present them in a way that people aspire to them. Um, they tend to outpace their peer group. So and it, we're in an industry, whether it's public relations or advertising, and you, you, you mentioned the two. I, we, we do really all, all the disciplines that it takes to change opinion. But if you look at those two uh, businesses, it, it really is about helping someone communicate their innovation. Jackson, why the lowercase t in the name three? Uh, I'm a client at heart. Uh, we built the business around the client's orientation. It's their money to spend. We recognize that. We subordinate our egos uh, to our clients. And frankly, we are an ego-rich industry. Uh, and, and it's, you know, it's understandable. I mean, you're really putting your personal, your personal thoughts in front of your client every day and saying, how do you like me now? Uh, and there can, there can be a pretty risky and ego environment. So we've managed to find a, a low drama way to, to serve our clients' needs and do it without uh, a, a, the opinion that they are, um, or do it with the opinion that they are more important than we are. So that lowercase t represents our, our subordination. What's a businessman in your position like most about what you do? The variety. Um, you know, I mean, the truth is I love the fact that, that the free market works. I think it's the most benevolent marketplace. I mean, it's nice to think that the, you know, a benevolent government could solve people's problems. I don't think it does it very well very often. Uh, and we can get into politics if you want to, but that's probably a different show. <laughs> um, but but I, what I love is that I, what we're doing matters to the, the future of this economy. And I think that you know, I'm very excited about the possibility that I've got four children that might follow in our footsteps and, and help grease the skids of the, of the free marketplace. Are there any favorite thoughts you have to, to leave our audience with today? You know, um, two, two, two folks that I've l listened to a lot in my career. Um, one is a guy named Sergio Zeman. Folks know him around Atlanta. He, was, he led the Coke brands for a long time. Uh, he says, don't look in the rearview mirror. Don't, don't manage by driving looking in the rearview mirror. And uh, I'm a big believer that people tend to get sort of wrapped around, wrapped around the axle based on their competition. And if they're leading their competition, don't worry about it. Um, you know, I, th I think the other thought that uh, that I heard from a guy named Britt Beamer, who is a consumer researcher, primarily in the retail category furniture, we have a lot of furniture clients, uh, said, you know, focus on your customer strengths and not their, I mean, your, excuse me, your competitor's strengths and not their weaknesses. You know, people buy your competitor stuff because of what they're good at, not because of what they're bad at. And I think if you can not not over, you know, get over anxious about your, your competitor, but still uh, understand what they're good at, you tend to improve your business as well. 
Jackson, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and your company to get more information. You know, we've got a, an antiquated website. I hate to admit that for a guy who <laughs> makes websites for a living, but our, cl- our clients come first uh, at 3atlanta.com, number 3, Atlanta spelled out.com, or you can certainly Google us at 3 Advertising and you'll find us. Appreciate you being with us today, Jackson. Glad to be here. Thank you, Jackson. Next on our broadcast is Dr. Ralph Gaskins. Dr. Gaskins, can you give us some background about Spectropath and what you do there? Sure. Thank you very much for the the opportunity to be here today. Uh, Spectropath is an optical imaging company that uh, we put together a few years ago with some technology that was was, uh, developed uh, here in Atlanta at, at Emory University and at Georgia Tech. Uh, the technology is a platform of, uh, uh, of technologies, actually, but it, it has uh, some, some great opportunities to, uh, to add uh, some, some, some very important tools to the, the medical community, and uh, we're in the process of, of commercializing the first of those product lines right now. Okay. And can you expand a little bit more about uh, the need in cancer treatment that Spectropath technology addresses? Sure. You know, I think uh, in spite of all of the, the very substantial advances that have, have taken place in, in medical diagnostics in the last uh, 20, 30 years with all the various new kinds of scans and all, uh, it's, it's really interesting that uh, when it's really a, a, a surgeon in an operating room dealing with a patient with a tumor, uh, in spite of all of the, the, the fancy uh, CT scans and MR scans and PET scans and, and whatnot, uh, the, the surgeon is largely driven by what they can see and what they can feel. And uh, in, in a sense, uh, really, things are, have not really changed very much from the surgeon's standpoint. This is really important because um, the, the success of, of removing all of a tumor at the time of an initial surgery is, is a critical uh, uh, matter for the patient. If any tumor is left at the time of, of an original surgery, the, the patient's chance of, of cure or even survival in some cases is cut at least in half. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a big deal. What we uh, have, have done with this technology and, and what, uh, the, 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 the magic of what Emory and, and, and Georgia Tech uh, put together with this is a system that, that allows a, a surgeon to actually see in real time what the extent of the tumor is in the operating field and uh, so they can be sure that uh, they, they've gotten it all and that uh, uh, they, they've done the best job they can with the surgery. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you mentioned earlier, you know, Spectropath has um, different platforms. Can you talk a little bit more about how the technology works? Sure. Uh, the system involves giving a patient a drug uh, a period of time before a planned surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually given a couple hours before. The drug accumulates in the, uh, the, the, the targeted tissue, cancer in this case, and uh, using the, the system's electronics and optics and, and software, uh, the system basically is able to identify a, a fluorescence uh, that, that's uh, imparted into the, the tissue by the, uh, the drug. This is not a situation where it glows in the dark. It's not mm-hmm. quite that strong a, a signal, so uh, mm-hmm. you really can't see it with the naked eye. But what the, uh, the system does basically is, is produce an image that, that is actually usable in real time to the surgeon. Can you talk a little bit about the comparisons of what Spectropath technology offers a patient and, let's say, a physician? Sure. You know, it, it, back in my, uh, my own clinical days, uh, it, it always sort of impressed me that uh, the, the questions in, in my mind and, and the questions in my patient's mind and, and the questions from their, their, their families were, were always the same whenever there was a tumor involved. Mm-hmm. The, the first obvious question is, is it cancer? And um, uh, the second question, if, it, if the answer was yes to the first, was uh, did you get it all? Mm-hmm. 
And it's, it's really uh, uh, interesting right now. I think that, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, oftentimes a surgeon doesn't leave an operating room with, with any great certainty in terms of those, uh, those, those uh, questions. And it, uh, what we are trying to do is to really be able to give some, some real, real confidence and real certainty around the, uh, the, the, the answers to those questions so that uh, the, the, the surgeon can know that, they, that uh, he or she did, her, did the best job possible and uh, right. the patient can know that uh, they're, uh, they, they have it behind them. Exactly. Now, this SpectroPen device that's used uh, during surgery, how uh, does a surgeon use this during surgery? Sure. The system com is consist consists of a couple of different components. Uh, we have a, an electronics uh, uh, module that uh, uh, is um, uh, part of the system. We also have a little disposable device that is the SpectroPen that is tethered uh, by a fiber optic cable to the system. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the, the uh, SpectroPen is a very, uh, as, it, as it, the name suggests, is a very pen-like device that is really just at the surgeon's disposable at any time during the surgery. At, at any point uh, that he or she wants to check tissue, they can literally pick the device up, uh, push a button, and, and anything that's malignant lights up bright for us in blue on a monitor in front of them. Wow. Gotta love technology. Now, what are the competitive advantages of SpectroPath technology over other systems for cancer margin assessments? Sure. There are a number of other products that are on the market. There's been a fair amount of press about this in the last couple of years with some other, other kinds of systems. I think the, the big difference in what uh, Emory and, and Georgia Tech put together with our, our technology uh, really has to do with how quickly the system can can identify uh, information and, and provide it in a usable manner and, and how how extensive that information can be. Just as an example, our, our closest competitor that's actually on the market right now, when their system is used to identify cancer, it takes them between one and two minutes to generate a single image. Our, our system generates 30 frames a second, so it's, it's truly uh, an instant real-time, as fast as your eye can recognize it, uh, uh -huh. it will provide the information you need. So it, it's, a, it's a, a very quick system compared to the other, other uh, uh, products that are out there. The other differences have to do with how deep into the tissue the, uh, the, the information is, is, uh, can, be, can be retained. Uh, a number of the other competitive systems are just surface uh, measurements. Uh, we actually are able to penetrate into the tissue for for a reasonable depth and uh, can uh -huh. get get some some three three dimensional components of the information. Right, quickness and accurate accuracy can act for much more than that. Well, it's it's an amazing system. It's really uh, uh, we have a, a a demonstration system set up in our office, and uh, it's it's really quite a, a lot of fun to have someone come in and we we have a model, but we can literally put a pen in your hand and you know it's it's literally you know here go find the find the cancer, and it's it's amazing how uh, how how uh, it's it's just. Uh, magic watching it uh, watching it work right right thank you so much dr gaskins we've been talking with dr ralph gaskins with spectropath ralph uh let's talk about when and where spectropath technology will be commercially available thank you dom we are actually in the process right now of uh preparing uh the the initial um uh production and um, um getting through the the regulatory process we made a decision fairly early on in the process to uh, to initially take the uh, the product uh, to to the market in Europe. Um, this is pretty common in the medical device industry these days, and it's largely driven by a much more uh, uh, user friendly regulatory environment in Europe than uh, than we have in the U.S. right now. And um, uh, quite frankly, it's a situation that, uh, at, at a, as a startup company, uh, we we have to be very careful about our our investors' dollars and. Um, we can we can deliver the uh, a, a regulatory uh, approved product very very reliably and, and relatively cheaply in Europe and, and actually start to generate revenue, 
uh, compared to having to deal with, with the U.S. system initially. So our plan at this point is that we, uh, we hope to have a, a product through the regulatory process in Europe and available in the market uh, around the end of the second quarter of, of next year. So we're about uh, seven months away from, uh, from, from uh, that, that level. And um, we'll go, go from there. Uh, at this point, uh, our schedule is to, to plan to reenter the U.S. market uh, and, and make our FDA applications uh, somewhere in the, the two, 2016 range. So uh, have you had any feedback from the medical community? We've had great, a great deal, and actually quite a, a large number of our existing investors are, are actually physicians. Um, um, many are U.S. physicians who realize that they aren't going to be able to use this tomorrow, but uh, uh, it won't be terribly far away. But I think they see the promise in the, the technology. I was, was actually quite interested um, the first time I, I went to, to present this technology to a, a group of a very well-known uh, cancer surgeons in Europe. And um, I, I was curious what their reaction was going to be because uh, I, I, I was almost expecting the reaction that uh, this might be okay for the average surgeon, but uh, we've done thousands and thousands of these and we know exactly where to, where to make our cuts and we don't need that. And, and I got a very different reaction from them and I, I think it's very interesting about the technology. I, I think what they saw was that this was a, a technology that could take their, say, existing 88% success rate and, and maybe turn that into a 98% success rate. And uh, they're, they're actually interested in being able to actually use it after they've removed the, the tumor and go back and see if there's anything that they didn't see and they didn't feel that that could be uh, uh, very, very important in the long run. So there's, uh, there's actually something sort of for, uh, for, for different levels of, of surgeons in the course of this. I think it could make a surgeon who doesn't have a, a great deal of experience in a, a particular uh, tumor situation more effective. Um, uh, and provide a lot of information there. On the other hand, I think for the expert, there's, there's that opportunity to, uh, to, to get that ad added uh, uh, degree of uh, success from, from what they couldn't see and couldn't feel and, and otherwise wouldn't have removed. Is there a difference in the, you know, how surgeons in the U.S. accept technology like Spectropath versus uh, the rest of the world? You know, I don't think there's really a difference in, from the physician standpoint. I think uh, the differences really have to do more with uh, what drives the, the, the purchasing uh, decisions in, in the various medical communities around. And um, uh, that's uh, uh, something we're watching very carefully and is very much part of our marketing plans in terms of how we, we, we plan to go about getting uh, some, some initial equipment, uh, equipment placed. I think over time uh, there's, there's a point there where when, when a technology is, is widely accepted and uh, is, is doing very well, uh, the, the market sort of turns around and, and sort of uh, the, the demand is really more from, from, from the market to, to you know, bring this into the uh, um, uh, other hospitals and, and all hospitals and other, other medical systems. Initially, uh, uh, you know, it's a matter of finding some, some key opinion leaders who uh, are willing to, uh, to give this sort of thing a try and begin to see the advantages and begin to, to talk and write about it, and that's, that's what we're, uh, we're working on. No, anything new in the business world, there's a the ramp up, the initial energy is, is, is huge, and sounds like you're over the, over the hump there. Well, we're working along on it. We've had a, we've had a, great, uh, uh, we've had a great technology. We've had great help from, uh, from, from Emory and Georgia Tech, uh, and we've got some, some great investors, and uh, things are, are, are coming into place. How would you get involved with Spectrum? My, uh, my background uh, originally, um, I was originally an ear, nose, and throat surgeon, uh, and um, uh, almost 20 years ago made a transition and uh, got, uh, I, I have a law degree. I, I've spent most of my career in the medical device and pharmaceutical patent world, and um, eventually uh, migrated from the law firm environment to the corporate world and was, was working with another, another company uh, in the area here that um, 
uh, is a medical company that um, primarily markets uh, in, in, uh, in, in Europe and uh, the Middle East and, uh, and, and Asia. And um, uh, I was looking for an opportunity a couple of years ago, and uh, they, uh, they were in the process of uh, moving that company uh, uh, headquarters-wise to, to another part of the country and uh, wanted to stay here. And I happened to hear a presentation at Emory one day about this, uh, this, this technology. And I, I will tell you on a personal level, I, I was sitting there listening to the, the, t- the presentation, and my, my first reaction was, uh, 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 you know, that, that would have saved my father's life because he was actually in a, a very similar situation with a – a, a cancer uh, operation that, that should have been close to 100% successful, and um, uh, something got missed. And I mean, it happens, and uh, it, it uh, did not turn out well for him in the long run. But I think uh, this is the sort of opportunity that I think can really help people, and uh, it's uh, a, a tremendous uh, uh, difference between um, leaving the hospital knowing that you, you had cancer, but it's it's been removed, and you're you're on the way to, to healing up and recovery, versus uh, knowing the, or having the question mark of you know when is it going to come back. I was going to ask you what you like most about what you what you do in your work, but it sounds like you hear the passion. I just told you. You did. Ralph, uh, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and your company to find out more about SpectraPath. Sure. We're, we're on the web at uh, uh, SpectraPath.com, and uh, we're, we're Atlanta-based, and uh, certainly uh, welcome uh, uh, inquiries either through the web or the phone numbers are on the, on the site as well. We appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Dr. Gaskins. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. And next on our panel is uh, Peter Del Bove, President and CEO, with Team Trivia. I love trivia. Peter, tell us about your company and what do you do? Nicole, thanks for having me, Dom. You as well. Uh, we, we have a live-hosted trivia product called Team Trivia, which is our flagship product. We also offer two other products. Uh, one's called Toxic Trivia, which is much more of an adult product, and another mm-hmm. product which is family-oriented called Team Bingo. Okay. They're offered in bars and restaurants around the country. And what I do is I sell them through a licensed distribution network using either franchisees or independent operators. And we also have some company-operated sites around the country as well. We're currently in 26 different states and have a tremendous focus east of the Mississippi, but uh, right now we're looking to expand uh, primarily west of the Mississippi as we don't have as much operation out there as we'd like right now. Any new products coming out? Well, our Toxic Trivia is a new product. Mm -hmm. We've we've released that in the last six months. Again, it's an adult trivia. Um, Quite frankly, that product would, would make for a show in and of itself. Uh, I, I'll, I'll leave you with this much about Toxic Trivia. It comes with a warning to the players. Uh-oh. And uh, across our banners, across our point-of-sale materials, it says player discretion is advised. It's got questions about sex. It's got celebrity misbehavior, sports misbehavior. We try to keep the, um, the categories very current, the information current. We have a full-time writer who does nothing but basically every day scan the uh, – the internet and and the news outlets for information to use just for that product. So it's a product that we conduct in bars late at night, Mm -hmm. generally 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock on a Friday, Saturday night, Mm -hmm. geared to a younger demographic to try to get the younger people to come in the bars and stay in the bars from that 10 o'clock till 1 in the morning period where a lot of the bars, particularly in the suburbs, just clear out at night. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot of our bar owner customers 
asking us, hey, do you have anything that will get people in here late at night? Yeah, I do great from 7, 8 o'clock until 10 o'clock on a, on a Friday night, a Saturday night. But if I'm not a dance club, if I don't have uh, you know, the latest uh, DJ in here, if I'm not you know, in downtown, whichever major city, I need something special, something different, something unique to get people in and keep them here. Mm-hmm. And this is the demographic a lot of the bar owners want today because these are the people who have the discretionary money. They'll come in, they'll spend it, they'll eat dinner at 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. So right now we've put a lot of focus on that product and we've been rolling that out with, with great success so far. Okay. You had mentioned that you're in 26 different states. Now, how can someone become involved in providing these team trivia products to bars in their particular area? We have a couple of different uh, methods right now. Uh, other than obviously our own company-owned operations, we have a franchise network where somebody can actually pay for exclusive proprietary rights in a designated city or state. Uh, And we have many people who have done that with us. And of course, then they'll have exclusive rights in in whatever geographic area we agree upon to offer our product line. Uh, We also have uh, a new independent operator network. And actually next year, we're rolling out a campaign to focus on recruiting uh, veterans, particularly veterans of the Iraq and the Afghanistan war, to, uh, who don't have a lot of money to put down to buy exclusive rights, to come in with us. There'll be a reduced cost uh, structure for them. And then we have the independent disc jockeys around the country who amazingly uh, will go in and, and, and spin records and, and, and in their local clubs on a Friday, Saturday night, but during the week, uh, their wives and girlfriends get a little bit upset because between Sunday night and Thursday night, a lot of those guys are laying on a sofa at home, and their wives are saying, you know, wait a minute, you're, you're working two nights a week, what's going on here, can't you do something? Gee, honey, there's really, you know, the club doesn't need me on a Wednesday night. Well, you know something? A lot of those guys now are going to those clubs saying, hey, you know, I noticed the Wednesday is not doing so well here, or Thursday night's kind of slow. Yeah, I got this team trivia product I can bring in here for you. Or maybe a team bingo for a family event or even our toxic trivia product. Why don't we give that a shot and I'll come in here and do that. And we obviously pay them a fee to conduct that. And then we we get a license feedback from from them for selling the product to the bar. And we do a lot of the upfront sales for those guys because by by and large, they're not salespeople by nature. We set the bar up. We get the contract set for them, and we put them in there. And wives are really happy with it because, again, now the guy's off the sofa, <laughs> and he's, he's making some money. If nothing else, he's worked a two-hour show, and he's made anywhere from 75 to to 100 bucks. And at least, you know, if you do that two, three nights a week, you're at least paying for the groceries, maybe mm-hmm. the, maybe the payment on the, on the house, a car, something. Something. Exactly. something. And the wives seem to be really happy, so it's amazing. That's where we get all the positive feedback from on our operator network. Right. Well, thanks for expanding on how the uh, operational network part of it works. Now, what does a franchise cost? You talked about two different thresholds. Can you expand upon that a yeah, little bit? Absolutely. Um, franchises are based on populations in different areas. Our franchises go anywhere from 20000 to $50,000. Mm-hmm. We don't have a tremendous cost. And, and aside from the franchise fee, generally our operators can get started with just an additional ten to $15,000 in cash mm-hmm. in our program. We, run, we run, run them through a fairly rigorous training program, both in sales and in operations. And, and they're able to pick up the concept pretty quickly. 
again, most of our guys operate from their homes or very small offices, and um, you know the, the the cost of entry is not a barrier to coming to work for us. It's really the effort that these guys want to put out because, like any business, you know you, you you've got to call on the customer. Bar owners are not no, are, are the most easiest people to sell anything to. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, you've got to make three or four sales calls to go ahead and close a deal. So we always tell them it's a numbers game. If they're it willing to put the time is. and effort in, they'll, they'll bring home the bacon. There's no doubt about it. If, if, I, if I could, Nicole, for just mm -hmm. a second, I probably need to go over a little bit about the actual game itself, Team Trivia, which is our, our flagship product. I kind of mm -hmm. glossed over that. But it's a live-hosted trivia game in the bars. It's basically 20 questions. It runs for two hours. Questions are asked, and um, songs are interspersed between the questions. And we, and we focus on a team concept, and that's how we sell it to the bars. I'm in the promotions business. I happen to use trivia as my vehicle to, to, pr to promote our customers who are bars and restaurants. But generally, uh, we, we pride ourselves on bringing a group of people in. Our average team size is four players. Mm -hmm. And those people will come in, sit there in the bar for two hours, eat, drink, have a good time, talk among their friends have some unforced social interaction, and, um, you know, there'll be a song, there'll be a trivia question, there'll be another song by the time the answers are all in. gives people a chance to interact because there are teams that will get that answer, you know, right on the spot. Other right. teams, hey, they need that three and a half, four minutes during that song to think about what that answer <laughs> is. We have bonus questions. We have uh, points uh, that our players can accumulate in our leagues, and at the end of the night in the bar, usually the first three teams, first top three finishing teams get prizes, which are usually bar tabs, uh, swag that we give away, whatever mm -hmm. it happens to be. Uh, but even more importantly, they accumulate points mm -hmm. where they can, um, in our Team Trivia League, and then three times a year we have local tournaments throughout all our franchises, all our operations, and we give away over $100,000 in cash money at these tournaments each year. And then we have a national tournament that actually just took place in August this year, in which we gave away $25,000. First wow. place was 10000 And that was, that was won this year by a team out of Chicago. Last year it was a team in Tampa that won. So uh, that's, that's, that's kind of what we do. Our business, again, is promotions, and, and we pride ourselves on going to that bar owner and selling him on the concept of, hey, my Tuesday night, and, and we're – we're very rigorous about scouting out our customers, and we go in there, and our plan is, okay, on Tuesday night, I've been in your bar three, four times, and I've noticed you have eight people, ten people in here at 9 o'clock sipping iced tea. Maybe they're looking at the local sporting event. Maybe they're not. What we want to do is we want to bring 50 people, 60 people into your bar over the course of three months, which is what it takes us to build that crowd, and have those people come back every week because Team Trivia – events take place every week in the bar and come in compete it's amazing how relationships are built um, not only with people on the team but people uh, in competing teams we've had people who come to team trivia i mean we're not match.com but we've had people get married wow. who have met at team trivia games okay. around the country which is which is quite <laughs> remarkable Love it. Uh -huh. so that's that's kind of what we do we, okay. we we're, we're a promotions business but uh, again great opportunity for people to get into a business, uh, have ownership, make a great margin. Our gross margins for our operators run 40%. Mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot of overhead for them. And again, 
uh, not a big barrier of entry. Uh, we get a lot of folks actually who come to us who their parents have put up money because it's more of a young person's business. We attract most of our operators who are in their 30s. And a lot of times I can't talk to a 30-year-old, a 35-year-old who's got $50,000, $70,000 to get started in this business. But his folks might say, hey, look, this is not that much money compared to me buying you a, a Subway franchise or something mm-hmm. like that. Let's get you started in this. So we have a lot of a lot of people who get in that way. Right. I totally get it, and I love the concept of the trivia. I'm definitely going to check your website and see where the next event will be in the ATL. You've been listening this morning to Peter Del Bove with Team Trivia. Peter, you're putting a whole different spin on the word bar. I mean, a whole different connotation to the bar thing. Uh, you know? uh, absolutely, Dom. Uh, you know, the traditional idea of uh, you know, the, the whole meat market concept of a bar, it's gone today. I mean, that's been, that's been gone for 20-some-odd years now. The, the generation of the, the Gen Xers, the Gen Ys, the, 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 the younger folks today, they come out in groups. They want to have a good time. They're not looking for a hookup, um, you know, like, like, like you used to, Dom, because I, I know you. Hey, I know we'll you, go there, you, man. You, you look like the type. You probably were in bars looking for a mm-hmm. hookup. But uh, seri- seriously, these, these folks are coming out to play with their friends. And the great thing about it is you'll get a couple of people who will be in a bar, say, watching a sporting event. And I'll give you a perfect example of something that happened a couple of weeks ago in Chicago. With the advent of the uh, National Hockey League season starting, a few guys were in a bar sitting there, um, not really interested in Team Trivia in all honesty. And it was Team Trivia night at that particular bar. So what happens is uh, uh, they start doing the trivia at 7 o'clock, and the Chicago Blackhawks game uh, is getting ready to drop the puck at 7.30. Now, these folks were rabid Blackhawks fans, and they were just kind of put out because this was a fairly new Team Trivia customer of ours. We'd only been there a few weeks, and of course – our guy gets on the microphone and says, hey, you know, Team Trivia will start up in 10 minutes, guys. Come on up, get your supplies, get your team ready, talk to your servers, get your orders in for your food, your drinks. These guys kind of got upset because they wanted stone cold quiet. They want to hear the Blackhawks. Well, after, after our guys stopped, stopped for just a second, talked to them after they were complaining to the bar manager and said, hey, look, give us a try. We'll ask the questions so that you can still enjoy the Blackhawks game. We'll turn a TV on over in this end of the bar for you. Hey, why don't you think about playing Team Trivia with us tonight? Here's some answer pads. Here's a score sheet. You can keep your score here as well. We're just going to ask some simple questions. They poo-pooed it. We're not interested. But they said, okay, fine. We'll see what this trivia thing is all about. Long story short, the guys win that night at Team Trivia, win a $50 uh, bar tab, so they're ecstatic because these guys are heavy-duty drinkers. They're doing shots at the bar. This is not my my beer and and a couple of, you know sandwich crowd or beer and an entree crowd. These guys are doing shots at the bar, so they're spending some jack. They're, they, these guys now have a bar tab in front of them. They're happy. They're all pumped up. I've created two great ambassadors for Team Trivia. What do these guys do? One guy goes the next week and brings his sister in. The other guy brings his girlfriend in. Long story short, after about three weeks now, this team has started off with two guys who were 
totally disinterested and actually didn't even want us there. Now it's a team of six players, and they're not sitting at the bar anymore. They're getting a seat up front right by the trivia host. They want to know what's going on. They want to know the trivia host each week. So this is what Team Trivia can do for a bar owner. We, 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 get, we get that those regulars who are already there who may not be so crazy about what we do, get them not only to come in each week at that time, but to bring friends in, bring family in. And, uh, again, people who are into trivia, they, they flock to it. Wow. That was a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Man, I'll tell you what. Having fun, making the money. I mean, the prize is $100,000, stuff like this. This is not chump change. This is not chump change. I just need to ask you a question, too, Dom. Do I get paid for each word today? Because I've spoken <laughs> quite a bit. That will, that will all shake out. Uh, the bottom okay. line is yet to come. Okay. All right. Yeah. But yeah, uh, getting back to the, the tournaments and the prizes, it's amazing. We have, uh, we have local operators who give away 10000 15000 a year. And when you add on the national prizes uh, that we give away, we're actually the $100,000 quote is probably low at this point. It's probably more like 150000 a year. Uh, we've got some sponsors now who, who come into our national tournament. Um, we've got some additional ones who we're talking to for this coming year. So it, it just increases. This year we had um, 300 teams compete in our national tournament. And, again, that's based on point values and qualifying in your, in your local jurisdictions. All right, back to reality, Peter. Do you run out of questions? You know, we never run out of questions. Uh, we've got three um, question writers. One, uh, and I'll give you an interesting tidbit here. Uh, getting back to toxic trivia, my toxic trivia question writer, everybody thinks I've got some young guy who's, who's just a freak writing these toxic trivia questions because I, I can't even say most of them on air in all honesty. Um, but the reality is it's, it's, it's a 54-year-old woman who writes these questions for me. Uh, she's great. That's what she does. She writes toxic. I got two guys who write um, – exclusively Team Trivia, and then I got another gal who part-time writes for Team Trivia questions. So uh, it, it's, it's, it's no shortage. Uh, we, we try our best. Uh, we have a very, very detailed database that, that uh, code stamps all our questions, tells us um, you know, when, when they were used, in what game they were used, what night of the week it was, and we, we generally, our policy is we don't reuse a question for three years so occasionally I do get the, the, the guy who writes into my website, and, and, and anyone can contact me at contact at playteamtrivia.com, uh, and they'll say, hey, you know, you asked a question about uh, Bruno Mars, and you asked that question three years ago, and I'll generally I'll check it out because I've got the database at my disposal, and it's like, you know, son of a gun, the guy's right. I did ask this question three <laughs> and a half caught, years he ago. He caught you. Is he there a fine me. for that? He caught me. No, what we generally do is we write an email and we say, congratulations. It was easy for you to get this one right. I'm sure you, I'm sure, you know, all of our rounds are set up so that the, uh, the players can bid points, uh, either 1-3-5 in the first half of the game or 6-4-2, and two, and they can choose in each round what question um, will, will get what points. They can use the point values once in each round. And he said to me, he says, well, this happened to be a final question. Well, a final question, you could kind of like Jeopardy with us. You can bid up to 15 points. So the guy said, well, thanks a lot. I won. So after I read the email, I thought, why is this guy mad at me? He won a $50 bar tab. 
So anyway, hey, um, it was a win win. It is a win win. That's what we're Love all it. we're all about. We're all about a win win win. Win win for our customers. We have we have two two types of customers. We have the bars, and then we have the players. So I've got to make sure everyone's happy, and then of course. For our company, we want to win as well. So it's got to always be win, 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 and that's the way that's the way I approach. Well, this I think business. we're all winners here in the studio today. Peter, tell our audience how they can reach out to Team Trivia, find out more about your franchising operation and uh, and the game itself. Thanks so much, Dom and, and Nicole, for having me. And and I was shout out to Mike on the board today because no one ever shouts out to the guy on the board. <laughs> I know that much about He's radio. Busy. I know it, but you know he doesn't say much. But but without Mike. There's no show. There's just no show. <laughs> I never thought of it that yeah, way. You really need to. But they can contact, anyone can contact us, whether it's a player, whether it's somebody interested in, in purchasing a franchise, or again, just a DJ out in rural America somewhere or in a city we're not serving who says, hey, you know, this is interesting. I'm, I'm familiar with the Team Trivia brand, or maybe I'm not. Obviously, you can become familiar with all of our products on our website at playteamtrivia.com and can contact me directly at contact at playteamtrivia.com, which is, which is my email. I think you got us all stimulated to play Team Trivia. Uh, definitely. Well, if you're, if you're stimulated, really, that gets into the toxic trivia. <laughs> we don't need to go there. This is a, this is a family you're show. Too, you're too quick for this me. This is a family show. Thank you, Peter, for joining us today. Thanks so Thank you much. Thank very much, Peter. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. Thank you to our guest today, Jackson Hauk with three. Dr. Gaskins with Spectopath, and Peter Del Bove with Team Trivia. We appreciate you all for being on our show. I'm Nicole Toptosh with CDI Managed Services, where we work with companies to maximize their investment in IT infrastructure in cloud solutions and support. As a reminder, to listen to this show and other Silver Lining in the Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And until next time, remember, when it comes to IT solutions and cloud support, CDI Managed Services is your silver lining in the cloud.